0: You know, what I just realized what? We never said why we're talking about a movie. <laughs> we never mentioned that this is for your birthday. <laughs>
1: no, it's it's for my birthday. And as much as I will say about my birthday, because I am the unknowable co-host, uh, is I am a Gemini. This is you got to know. So, Underworld. I love this movie. I've loved this movie for a long time, and I'm excited that I could
0: make you watch it. It is, like, gold star aesthetic. I am so happy. And the thing about
1: it is I was trying to figure out, like, we gotta talk about the plot for stuff, because that's, you know, the story. But thinking about the plot for Underworld, it's literally just a mystery story. Yeah. It's just Celine being like, huh something here is not right, and then just pursuing it until she kind of accidentally
0: destroys her entire life. <laughs> I mean, isn't that literally just the maladaptive daydream of every middle school child is, hey, this thing seems fishy. What happens if I just follow this? <laughs> if I just go with it.
1: And that's the thing is it's billed as action horror, but like really it's more action supernatural mystery. Mm-hmm. But I also have really high standards with horror movies. Um, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, it's, it's never scary. It's not a scary movie. And horror, I want it to either scare me or disgust me. And Underworld does neither of those things. It It's
0: really fun. Like, honestly, this is the movie. Like, when we were watching it on movie night, I, I just kept going off, like... This is just so cool just for the sake of being cool. And it makes me so mad that so many people just give movies shit for being unrepentantly unrealistic for the sake of cool factor, because like, that's not a bad thing. It's called suspension of disbelief. Get over yourself. Just enjoy the cool bullets. Enjoy the sunlight bullets.
1: That's the thing that I really love about uh, Underworld is that it, It's just so over the top and it doesn't care because it it treads that perfect line of, like, it's over the top, so much is happening all of the time, it takes itself just the right amount of seriously, and it has a very well-structured universe, and you know the rules of the universe... And nothing that they do goes against those rules.
0: It is one of the most solidly set up vampire movies I have watched in a long time. Because I, I love a vampire movie that makes you mine for lore. I love the subtlety of like, ooh, what can they do? What can't they do? And that just vaguely showing. But this one says, no, we are aggressively, solidly world building. You're going to understand everything and we are going to stick to it.
1: And that's part of what I love about their world building is that their lore is so extensive and they pack so much of it into the first movie. But every bit of lore is important to understanding the plot and what's happening. And like, none of the lore is unnecessary.
0: We watched this together for the first time over, like, Discord movie night, and I watched it again last night to watch it without us roasting the the movie. And it's just so dense, but it doesn't really hamper your enjoyment. You can tell, like, oh yeah, this is a lore drop, but they still make it such an interesting lore drop that you are committed to listening through.
1: And, like, it's it's dense, but it's not slow. At no point does the movie feel slow. Something is always happening, even if they're just
0: lore-dropping during it. Okay, you know what it makes me think of? You know what this reminds me of? Mel Brooks' movie. It is just gonna hit you bit after bit after bit. And some things that you're not gonna process in time, but some things that you're just gonna sit there and go, Wow. That was a great joke, or that was a great action sequence.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and like I really love how they, uh, how they did the vampire werewolf thi- werewolf thing itself, because I love me a solid in-universe reason for people to need blood and be immortal. <laughs> like I'm a fucking nerd like that, so I love that they're like, no, it's a virus and it mutated two different ways, and that's how we get vampires and lichens that are immortal. And it's really clear about, like, oh, what is the word? The weaknesses of each different race, where, like, I won't always like when vampires are burned by the sun because I think it's really hard to justify in a lot of universes, but in this one, even if they didn't justify it, they had me completely believing it. Oh, yeah,
0: there was so much about it where it just felt like, yeah, this is just... This is just what their world's like. Like I loved the bit where they set up the virus and how it actually worked. That, uh, Which also sets up why Michael is important as a character. Because he's a descendant of the original uh, plague person thing. Who had two sons. Who one was bitten by a bat, one was bitten by a wolf. And that caused further mutation that resulted in vampires and werewolves and it was so flawlessly set up like it there I will admit it did feel like lore drops whenever we learned something new but I was excited for the lore drops oh yeah like this would would make an amazing video game that kind of level
1: it totally would Um, wait is there a video game? I
0: need to look that up now
1: there might be There are also two things in the lore that I really love, and that's the structure of vampire leadership, where, like, they have the three elders, and the elders just kind of cycle who's in charge, which, when you have super old vampires, I feel like that makes a lot of sense,
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: because it would just be easier on their ancient fucking bodies. Um,
0: Oh my god, there is a video game. Good. Good. It's called Underworld The Eternal War. It is a 2004 third-person shooter video game.
1: Good. What was the other thing I was gonna... Oh. I need it. So I love that in the movie there's the arms race between the vampires and the lichens. I'm a little sad that it got overshadowed by um, the whole Michael hybrid main plot. But I just thought that was so cool because if you have a war going on between lichens and vampires for a long period of time, they're going to start developing new weapons to fight each other with.
0: And God, this movie makes it so cool. Like, yeah, it's very much a Mythbusters would bust it kind of situation, but UV bullets that look like Zydrate pellets, liquid silver bullets. Yes, they're a glass cartridge, but I don't care. The visual of that to that, like, silver nitrate leaking out of the marble bust shooting target thingies.
1: That was so cool! And, like, the commitment to aesthetic, where we know the vampires are just these, like, rich, haughty bitches, and oh they use God. marble busts for target practice. Like, this movie commits to aesthetic just 100%. <sighs>
0: The, uh, the the aesthetic, it's so pretty. It is so sexy. Like, it is unrepentantly sexy when you see all the vampires. And even the werewolves have their own, like, other side of the coin, rough and tuberculosis-ridden kind of sexy thing going on, too. Oh, yeah, I
1: totally dragged uh, the main uh lichen character of Lucian because I just like he looks like he has tuberculosis because tuberculosis makes you really pale and it gives you those really dark circles under your eyes. Oh you mean Mr. Michael Sheen? Oh Michael Sheen is Lucian. <laughs> I love him so much.
0: Here's the thing and that's so funny is I literally just watched all of staged the show that he did in quarantine with David Tennant and then I went into underworld. That was a trip. Oh yeah he is just a delightful treat that man commits so hard i want him to do a million more vampire movies the
1: one thing that i don't get and part of this is because the third movie which is a prequel that's about lucian is my favorite movie so i've watched it the most but it's so wild to me that they're like okay michael sheen you need to do an american accent in this even though lucian is not american (laughs)
0: I'm excited. I realized that the other day I've never heard him do an American accent. I'm excited to hear his American accent. And it's-
1: oh, with the fucking, um, the aesthetic, first of all, it's definitely, like, Matrix ripoff, but make it blue and gothic, except they commit so hard to the gothic part that it becomes entirely its own thing.
0: It's beautiful. This is- the early 2000s goth aesthetic that I want from everything. Trying to put into words how much I love this vampire aesthetic is so hard because it is just next level compared to everything.
1: Because, like, the whole movie is tinted blue, but the Mm -hmm. vampires wear black and dark red and it comes off just, like, so cool. I mean, the movie starts with Celine in a full... Black latex cat suit with a black corset crouching on a cathedral. In a black leather trench coat, no less.
0: In the rain, monologuing. Oh my god. That was an image throughout all of my childhood that I remember so vividly. That that scene is so iconic. And like,
1: there's always in the vampire werewolf media that I know of and just kind of generally as a staple of the genre there's always a class divide between the vampires and the werewolves and i mean they hit it really hard in underworld because they're like oh yes these are the vampires they live in this fucking mansion with guard dogs they're all dressed so expensively <laughs> um they clearly have a lot of money and then the lichens are like we Wear dirty clothes and we live in the subway. (laughs) Like, yes.
0: Okay, but the vampire train car. The vampire train car.
1: That whole scene is so cool, but especially just, like, how... Because, A, of course vampires would travel by train. Like, it's for the aesthetic. And how Mm -hmm. opulent the whole thing was, even though we didn't (sighs) see it for very long before it was turned into a bloodbath.
0: But even then, it was so pretty. Like, yes, there are a bunch of slaughtered vampires everywhere, but it adds to the aesthetic. <laughs> I just,
1: ugh, ugh. I, love, I love this movie, and I love how it looks. And as much as I love the other movies in the series, and by other movies, I mean I love Evolution and I love Rise of the Lycans. Neither has quite the same hard commitment. Okay, that's not true. Evolution is a little bit messier because it doesn't just take place in the city. Like, it has a lot of different locations to reckon with. And you can't make all of the locations look absolutely flawless. And Rise of the Lichens is medieval, so it has its own aesthetic that it really commits to and commits to well. So none of them are, ever, are quite on the level of Underworld, and it makes me a little bit sad. And the only... The only visual thing that I'm gonna nitpick, which, like, I can't even nitpick because there's a reason for it. I don't like that they had to make the lichens' necks so thick that they can't turn their heads.
0: (laughs) That was so fun.
1: They have to, like, turn at the shoulder, which looks stupid, but they did the lichens with almost entirely practical effects, which, like, a cool werewolf is always gonna look like a cool werewolf, and I will stand by that practical effects should be the default always but because it was practical they needed a place for the human actor's head to go so it had to go in the neck
0: giving me michael keaton batman vibes (laughs) like he can't turn his head
1: (laughs) (laughs) but i still love how cool they look like i i really like the design of the lichens because they went with the really wolf-like head which looks cool made them really just physically imposing And the transformations, despite being CGI, still hold up really well and, like, look
0: painful, and I love that. Okay, but can we talk about Michael's first transformation in the back of a cop car while they're blasting heavy metal to try and cover up his screams?
1: Oh yeah, it's- Oh my god! Like,
0: it looks like it hurts, and that's exactly how it's supposed to be. Yet they still add that, just make it a little cool, like, Suffering, but making a little sexy. (laughs) I got it. Because we mentioned
1: Michael, I have to bring up what I realized with the character of Michael. uh, (laughs) As I was actually detailing this. You know that really annoying trope where, like, the male protagonist comes in and needs to be trained how to survive by the hyper-competent female protagonist? And then, like, gets better than her and she becomes attracted to him? They could oh have my done God. that with Michael, but they didn't.
0: He's useless. Like, I literally put in my notes, one of my favorite things that I noticed watching it the second time is I missed the first time that Michael tried to shoot um, the chain because Selena had chained him to a chair at one point in the beginning. And then at the end, when he's chained up by the lichens because they need his blood for their, their plans, mm. um... Selena comes in and is just like, oh yeah, easy, boom, boom, you're free, come on.
1: <laughs> like, he does some things, he's not entirely useless. Like, he pulls Celine out of the car that goes into the
0: water, that was very helpful of him. And at He the actually end, got to use his medical training.
1: Yeah, and at the end he does help uh, Celine kill Victor when he's going, like, full hybrid, but he he never becomes competent. Like, the hybrid thing is mostly just luck and sheer brute force. Mm -hmm. And it's still Celine who kills Victor at the end. But I love that he's just this newcomer male protagonist where he has no idea what's happening. He is trying his best. And he never, like, he doesn't save Celine in unrealistic ways. Like, when he does save her, it makes sense. And it's not like he suddenly became powerful. It's that he can, he's just using the skills that he has already. And Celine. Celine, I love her because she's kind of a Mary Sue, but she's like the perfect Mary Sue. Let the Mary Sues rise up. <laughs> because she's incredibly powerful, she's incredibly skilled. Like, at no point do we doubt her competence, but she still has all the pitfalls of being a very straightforward, stubborn person. She cracks open a whole can of worms and then she has to lie in it.
0: <laughs> I oh, I loved that because like we were saying with Michael and how he very easily could have taken that path of becoming the super competent that guy through very little work. Selena basically had what would have been his character arc.
1: One thing that I really loved watching it again is that the only times she's really outmatched is with Lucian who's older than her and more skilled than her and like he is the leader of the lycans and he is the first lycan which i don't think that was ever detailed specifically in underworld but it is in the prequel he was the first true lycan so yeah he's going to be able to beat Celine and Victor who trained Celine so like of course he's going to be able to fuck her up but i really loved that she does have weaknesses. Like she got stabbed in the shoulder
0: and is like, I'm fine, and immediately faints. That is the most beautiful moment. That was so funny. And I love that they had that purely just so Michael got a chance to use his medical training. I I am I don't know why I'm so obsessed with characters like actually getting the chance to use medical know-how, but it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. It is so logical that he is some kind of a health worker and that that actually comes into play a couple times and that adds so many layers to his own story with like his almost kidnapping and his co-worker and stuff. It was good!
1: That's one thing about Underworld is like, I, I will forever stand being able to look at a movie or a TV show and go like, I am aware that this is not high art, and I'm allowed to love it anyway. Underworld, however, is totally a hidden gem. Because I think people get caught up in, like, all of the guns and all of the action, because it is definitely, like, action is one of the genres it's in. Mm -hmm. But then they miss out on the fact that it has a really tightly well-thought-out world and really, like, interesting characters. And that it's just a very well-done story. Because they get caught up in the fact that it's
0: totally committed to the absurdity of its aesthetic and premise. It's also an amazingly like, cast movie. Like, I am so impressed with all of the choices here. First of all, I wasn't expecting to recognize as many people because there are two Doctor Who actors in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but also, like, everyone is so committed And it doesn't feel like anyone is phoning it in. Like everyone is aware of the movie they're making. They are just as committed to the absurdity as everyone else, which is also an amazing reason to get Michael Sheen because he is an actor that commits and he gives you the best delivery possible.
1: I don't think that this is a a problematic opinion at all, or that it's um, an opinion that could be debated the other way. Michael Sheens Lucian would rip Aro apart. Like Oh my god. <laughs> no question. No hesitation. Like I do I believe that he is technically older than Aro. It's been a while since I've revisited um I'm looking it up. The Twilight thing and the way that the way that the underworld overarching timeline is is a little bit messy cuz they base the Corvinus virus, which is what created vampires and lichens, on the just Plague of Justinian, which is in, like... Hmm, they're, like, a century off. Because they're saying, okay, this is when the virus first mutated was the Plague of Justinian. Uh, which, A, the Plague of Justinian is, the bu- is believed to be the bubonic plague, which is a bacterial infection, not a virus. But um, they're about a century off. Mm-hmm. With when the plague of Justinian happened, and like the whole thing with, with Lucian's backstory is it's like nebulously medieval dark ages, mm-hmm. so he's hard to pin down exactly. But I do yeah. think he's a little bit older than Aro because Aro is more Renaissance, I believe.
0: I can't find Aro's approximate age, they give a year, but I'm bad at calculating from that. He would have been born around 1340 BC. And see, that's... Lucian is approximately 800 years old.
1: Yeah, because Lucian came about in the 11 or 1200s, so he's got like... About two, three hundred years on him. Yeah, he's got a few hundred years on um, on Uh... Aro, and the fact that Lucian is an incredibly scrappy fighter, and like... (laughs) has been fighting vampires for a very long time even though arguably okay okay question for the vampire person okay twilight universe vampires versus um underworld universe vampires who's gonna win
0: Okay, see, this is uh, actually a really interesting question, because we are shown that the underworld vampires are extremely vulnerable. They tend to have vulnerabilities that most humans have, compared to the Twilight vampires, where we get the awesome shot of, like, they walked across the bottom of the Puget Sound to cross over to the peninsula. Like, they they are not going to drown, whereas Selena almost drowns about, like, halfway through the movie.
1: Oh, can I interject something really quick? Yes. One thing with Underworld that they do more in the later movies is the vampires have a strong reliance on guns Mm -hmm. uh, in the Underworld movie. And in the later movies, they're better at showing like vampires fighting hand to hand and they are stronger and faster than humans. And they're like, they are pretty strong. Like they can go sort of hand to hand with a lichen, but a lichen is generally going to come out on top because they Mm -hmm. have more brute force in hand to hand
0: which i think with what were presented so that i'm going to be honest i think the twilight so that vampires would have better uh, power stand like from a power stand to that point i think they would but that's also because they're unintentionally horrifyingly overpowered mm-hmm. they're accidentally literally like the most powerful vampires of any canon don't come at me just look at their abilities and their weaknesses they have none but then if you Compare their more brute attack style compared to the underworld vampires more organized army style, I think there is a bit of competition there. The underworld vampires are a bit more innovative in their strategy as well as their weaponry. So I think it would actually be a pretty close fight.
1: See, I appreciate that because the the underworld vampires are generally like squishier than the Twilight Vampires. But they do have centuries of, like, military organization and training because they're fighting, they're used to fighting the Lycans, which, in my unpopular opinion, I think an Underworld Lycan could take out a Twilight Vampire if they knew how to kill them. Oh, yeah. No question. They are very, very physically powerful. um, And they have very strong teeth and could totally rip apart a Twilight Vampire. And part of my, that opinion is because the lichens are used to fighting a very tricky foe. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think lichens would decimate Twilight Vampires, but I do think Twilight Vampires would fuck up Underworld Vampires with the only thing bringing the Underworld Vampires close is that they're used to fighting a brute force foe.
0: Mm-hmm. But especially because uh, the Underworld vampires have more organized numbers compared to the Twilight vampires, which are extremely nomadic and that tend to just work in their own little pods. But even then, the closest thing we have to an army with them is the Volturi, and we are shown in Breaking Dawn, at least the movie, that the unorganized vampires are just as capable of taking down their more centuries trained so that fighting style which isn't that organized when you really look at it (laughs) compared to like the underworld vampires i i do not hesitate to think that they could have some kind of organized uh, attack against them
1: and see a thing to just throw in here while we're getting way too into this comparison (laughs) um is jane has incredibly op psychic powers we all know Mm -hmm. this uh, I do not think that she and Alec would actually be that much of an advantage over either underworld death dealer vampires or old school lycans. Uh, because a the death dealers have definitely been trained in like torture resistance techniques, mm-hmm. and like always staying on target and focused. And the lycans, the older ones like uh, Lucian were originally slaves of the vampires, so they still have like memories of being horrifically physically abused.
0: I would like to formally thank Michael Sheen for being in both of these vampire movies so that we're able to use our unfathomable knowledge of both franchises to debate this topic. <laughs> thank you, sir. Though it does,
1: thinking about the nomadic nature of Twilight Vampires, it does bring up <laughs> one other little quibble that I have. With yeah. the Underworld movies. <laughs> God. And that is that they do not discuss where the vampires get
0: blood from. I thought it was the synthesized blood that Selena showed Michael in the first movie.
1: Oh, they do have the synthesized blood?
0: Yeah, it's very uh, true blood. As, as
1: I warned you, I tend to watch the first three movies in succession when I do watch them, so the lore kind of blurs in my head. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, there, there's a scene where Michael gets kind of woozy thinking about the fact that the vampires have synthetic blood that is apparently going on the market soon.
1: Okay, so you are absolutely right. That is then a quibble that I have with Rise of the Lycans, which takes place in um, medieval Europe, and they don't discuss the fact that the vampires totally have like a human farm, because mm-hmm. otherwise they would not be able to have enough blood to sustain their army. Yeah. But no, you're right. Underworld is even tighter than I give it credit for.
0: <laughs> you know what I just realized? What? We never said why we're talking about a movie. <laughs> we never mentioned that this is for your birthday. <laughs> no, it's it's for
1: my birthday, and as much as I will say about my birthday, because I am the unknowable co-host, uh, is I am a Gemini.
0: So that's why we get a random, hey, let's just scream about vampires. <laughs> No, it's it's
1: totally worth it. And Underworld came out in two thousand and three, so it totally fits within our
0: parameters. Exactly. We get a treat. We get a movie here and there. We do. We get it. We get a fun little treat. Oh, now everyone's gonna know exactly which movies we were joking about when you were goading me on what your favorite movies were in the last or in the last episode. What episode was that? Dark Angel episode. Yeah, I think it was Dark Angel.
1: I love me some dark stuff and totally petty thing that doesn't relate to this at all. The fuck, the Battle of Winterfell was so fucked up because you can make something that's visually dark without making it impossible to see. Mm -hmm. Example, The Crow, Repo the Genetic Opera, and Underworld,
0: all of which take place at night. (laughs) But they are still realistically but aesthetically pleasing to visibly see, like the blue, the low blue light was convincing as hell for like, ooh, it's dark, but we can still see it. Oh, that kind of makes sense. That's what the ambiance would roughly look like. Yeah. But still amplified it for the aesthetic and the suspension of disbelief.
1: Exactly. And both Underworld and The Crow have in-universe reasons for things to be happening entirely at night. You gotta love that. I do love that. Though, I mean, I'll always forgive Repo for happening at night for
0: no other reason than... It looks cool. <laughs> I mean, I love when people just say, no, I want this to look cool, so you can shut up.
1: I want more people to appre- to watch and appreciate Underworld, because I feel like it's become a, li- a little bit of, well... It's become a bit of the butt of a joke with Blood Wars because like, I haven't seen Blood Wars. I don't really plan on seeing Blood Wars. has kind of wandered away from what I really love about the first three movies. I do want to watch the fourth eventually. I'm just really, really bad at remembering to watch things. But I feel like people get caught up in like, oh, it's this long dead franchise from a really cringy era of cinema history. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe parts of it are cringy. But Underworld is good and it's fun. It's so fun.
0: You just gotta appreciate when people say, no, turn your brain off, enjoy. Just enjoy it.
1: And even then, you don't have to turn your brain off because Underworld has such interesting lore drops. They do.
0: I honestly can't wait to hear more about the Elders now that two out of three Elders are dead. And... I want to know what's up with the elders, like, what is their deal? And also, why is only one allowed to be awake at a time? I am invested.
1: I'm excited to watch the other two movies with you. It's been a long time since I've seen um, Evolution. Because mm-hmm. I the one that I revisit the most is Rise of the Lycans, and I tend to watch it like Rise of the Lycans, Underworld, Underworld Evolution, and I don't always get to Evolution, but I'm excited. This you can view this movie in multiple ways. You can watch it for the action and turn your brain off and just go, ha ha, Celine go fast. Mood. Bad CGI werewolves run on walls. <laughs> god or you can watch it for the lore where you're watching it and it's like oh my god there's there's a centuries old war this is technically a virus like all of the plot and lore stuff that gets into it the fact that lucian had a forbidden romance with victor's daughter
0: that was beautiful i missed the fact that he killed his pregnant daughter yeah. i missed the fact that she was pregnant with lucian's child God, like,
1: okay, two things that I just have to talk about with that is A, I really love that Victor's relationship with Celine is never creepy, because I feel like there's a really unfortunate tendency for father characters to be, like, have this weird sexual undertone with their adopted daughter characters. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't happen with Victor. He genuinely is like, you are my adopted daughter uh, that I lied to. For all of her immortal life. But he still like. Does treat her
0: as a daughter. Honestly their relationship. Was really interesting to watch play out.
1: And with the lore. um, And like the world building. Okay I don't know how. Maybe good or believable it is. But I love the concept of blood memories. Oh yeah. And that like. There's just memories that you hold within you that become a part of you with um, Michael being able to see what Lucian went through by way of blood memories. And it's used later on in the series, which
0: I, I really like. And I like that that's consistent. I'm really excited to watch the rest of this series. There's just, but like,
1: I, I love it. And I want more people <laughs> to watch it and enjoy it for what it is
0: okay but like i am obligated every episode to say hey guess what this person was in another awesome show we have two doctor who actors in this show yeah we do or movie it's a movie god damn it (laughs) because like we love michael sheen we appreciate michael sheen in this house (laughs) erica i love you she is Beautiful. She is gorgeous. She's also in one of my favorite Dracula movies. And she's Madame de Pompadour in one of the best season two episodes.
1: And she has my favorite funny moment ever (laughs) in the Underworld movie where she sees Celine brings Michael back to the um vampire mansion after he's been bitten by Lucian, and she sees the bite and just like launches herself onto the ceiling and hangs out there and hisses at him.
0: That was beautiful. And then he immediately just jumped out a window. Oh, yeah. He just jumped out a window and ran.
1: And also, this is a fancy mansion, so it's like 20-foot ceilings. She just leaps onto the ceiling, anchors
0: herself there somehow, and hisses at him. Like, that- Honestly, if you could not- if you could do that, would you not? Exactly. Like, I see a spider. I'm on the ceiling now. Fuck you. For the drama. If I could just launch myself onto the ceiling and hiss whenever someone I didn't like came into the room, life would be so much more fun. Are you kidding me? No, it, it so would be. <laughs> <laughs> and that's part of what I love about this movie is that's a
1: totally ridiculous moment uh, and it's played straight and that's what makes it funny.
0: God. I also just love when we were watching this and I'm sitting there like, Victor looks so familiar. Who is he? And you just started getting all smug because, oh yeah, he had one scene in Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> he was that one awesome art curator who told Vincent Van Gogh what his legacy was.
1: No, I was I was waiting for you to make that connection because that actor has been in a lot of things.
0: Oh my god, he is he was also in that Paul McGann movie I keep talking about that I was obsessed with as a kid. Yeah. Fairy tale a true story. Yeah, so I like, need to rewatch that now.
1: He's been in a ton of stuff and I was waiting for you to figure out like what what I thought you recognized him from.
0: <laughs> I recognized him from like 10 different things. That man is in everything. Yeah. He's, he's great, an amazing. Though. Like actor. I
1: totally buy him as an absolutely terrifying
0: vampire murder man. Same. Oh my god, the ending of the first movie. I loved that intense cliffhanger they left off on. And the fact that the sequel picks up directly after makes me so happy. Yeah. Because our end is just Selena monologuing as her and Michael walk away. And it turns out that a werewolf they had been torturing in the resurrection chambers or whatever the fuck that was. His blood seeped into the other immortals or immortal elder person's Coffin and awoke him as Selena just says, Yeah, and I was about to become the hunted, and his eyes went black the way Michaels did before he turned into a hybrid. Uh huh. And that was just beautiful.
1: It's so cool. Like, they set up the sequel so well with that, where like two elders are dead, and the last one might be left in stasis. Um, because Craven, okay. The thing about the ending setup is Craven is still alive. He's one of the tertiary villains. He, well, arguably he's the main villain. Um, he's he the villain. Bi-generate. He's been plotting against Victor. He is kind of the second in command who's been running that specific coven while the elder who was awake, Amelia, was checking up on the other covens around the world. He could totally have just taken over from there. Because mm-hmm. Celine betrayed them and killed a, you know, one of the, um, elder vampires. The other vampire elder was dead and the final one was asleep, so he totally could have taken over. But because they left the body in the holding chamber for the elders, he got woken up. Whoops! Like, actions have consequences in this movie. Everything that we see comes back.
0: I'm starting to notice a theme with the shows that we're liking on this show is there is always just a high holding of consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, people don't get away with shit.
1: No, that's that's absolutely right. Like, Dark Angel had great consequences that, that come through. Even Supernatural has consequences in the first season. And then in Underworld, like, the lichens developing the UV bullets led to the death of of Lucian because the vampires developed silver bullets on the same model. And the fact that they were torturing the lichen in the elder's chamber and just left his body there had consequences.
0: It's just beautiful. I love how everything gets payoff. Like, I remember when we were watching it the first time, I was confused because I'm like, wait, I thought Michael had already been bitten by a werewolf and a vampire because they said something about that earlier. And then I watched it a second time and he didn't. They just mentioned the fact that no one could survive that bite when Michael asked if she was going to bite him. Mm -hmm. They set it up in the most subtle way where, yeah, some people could pick up on that and say, oh, yeah, they're going to bite him. Someone's going to get bit by both. But if you're not really paying attention and it's just this one off comment, that's just going to sit in the back of your head.
1: Exactly. And with the biting, another little tidbit that they had in there that I loved is Celine mentioning oh, yeah, most of the people who get bitten by either a lichen or a vampire don't survive. Like it is legitimately a disease mm-hmm. where either their Which body is... adapts Ugh. to it like you would adapt to a vaccine. But the adaptation causes mutation or you die because the virus just overtakes your body. I keep wanting to call it a bacteria because it's based on bubonic plague and Yersinia pestis is a bacteria.
0: Honestly, it's they also set it up so well with the fact that the reason they were even looking for Michael in the first place is because he's a descendant of one of the original immortals where this mutation came from. So his blood is going to enable them to be able to mess with those genetics. He has the blueprint to be able to survive both bites.
1: And you know what? um, It's detailed in the second movie, which I like because they do save lore for the second movie that helps set up that plot too. But in that movie, it's detailed that there was one man who, you know, got... Got the plague slash the virus, and Mm -hmm. it triggered a specific mutation in his body um, to kick in. And his three sons had the same mutation where two of the sons had an active version, so they were, like, actively immortal. One was bitten by a bat, the other was bitten by a wolf, and they became the original vampire and the original lichen. And the third brother had a passive version of the gene... So he was not immortal, but he passed it on to everybody else. And Michael is his descendant.
0: It's just so good.
1: And the thing about Lucian is the vampires, by the time Lucian was born, had enslaved the werewolves. And I don't love that they never detail how Lucian happened, but he was essentially another genetic anomaly who was born human to a Lycan mother and could transform at will.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
1: And like most other lichens, will only transform at the full moon until they develop the control necessary to take charge of that form. But I just love so much that the original lichen cannot untransform; like he is just permanently feral. It's just so
0: well done, and it's it, it's well done in a way. They're they're just telling you to enjoy it, like they're. You could see something deeper in it, but in the end, they're like, no, we just want to do something fun and cool. And they did it. They reached their goal. So I have two other spoilers for Evolution.
1: Do you want to hear either of them?
0: Yes, please.
1: So the first one is that the original Immortal, whose sons became, you know, vampire-like an <clears throat> Michael Ancestor, he's still alive. <gasps> uh. And his whole thing is he's in charge of a human organization that cleans up after the vampire lichen in war so that humans never figure out what's happening.
0: Oh my god!
1: Would you like a sub-spoiler attached to that that's not one of the two that I mentioned? Yes! He dies in Underworld Evolution. And in the yes. next movie chronologically, which is Awakening, humans have found out about vampires and werewolves because the cleanup crew isn't there anymore. Yes! Oh my god, I love it so much! I love that you're going so feral over this.
0: It's all that I wanted. My film student brain is on full alert, dude! I'm so happy right now. I love this series so much. So are you
1: ready for the second spoiler? Yes! one of the vampire elders is the original vampire, the brother of the original
0: lycan. <gasps> Wait, Marcus? Yeah, Marcus. Ah! I'm oh my god. I'm so excited to see the whole hybrid tease. Oh my god.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how that's why I love the first three movies in the series so much is because evolution does everything that a sequel should. It expands upon the lore in a really meaningful way, and it bases its plot around that expanded lore.
0: Oh my god, I'm, I'm so excited for us to get to the rest of the movies for your birthday. They're,
1: it's, ha- they're so incredible. I'm having so, so much, much fun, fun right it. now. Like I'm so excited to watch Evolution again, but that's the thing about their world building, is it so it's it's so well done. Like my only problem with the world building is the fact that they never explain why Lucian is the first one who could control his transformations. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, other than that,
0: I don't care. It's so good. Next time, honey, you got to know. This is another thing that I'm not sure I want to spoil with certain other elements because we spoil a lot, but there are certain things that it's it's good to hold back because it's weird, but it happens at the same time as setting up an interesting plot line for next season that is very creepy and genuinely starting to make me panic a little bit (laughs) because this show is getting dark. (laughs) It's getting very dark. Before it was just some lighthearted family drama, well, lighthearted, in comparison. But now we've got, like, potential murder investigations. We've got some arson. We've got some stalking. It's, uh... It's gonna be an interesting season. This is One Tree Hill.
1: Thank you so much for joining us on You Got to Know, we've been your hosts.
0: If there's a show you want to see us discuss, let us know at Tied with a Bow on Twitter or at Hellish Rebuke Creative on Instagram.
1: This show is made
0: possible by your support and that includes sharing us with your friends and family. Subject other people to this. Please consider supporting the show on Patreon, the link will be in the show notes below. Music for the show by Kevin MacLeod.